And we are recording with Dr. Evan Alexander and Ms. Karen Newell on Thursday, January 5th, 2023 at 2.33 p.m. Eastern Time, episode 1040. Um, Dr. Alexander and Karen Newell have been on here several times before. Uh, y'all's books, Proof of Heaven, uh, Map of Heaven, The Living in a Mindful Universe, all incredible books. I'll put all those in the description. I actually first read Proof of Heaven, I think, eight years before I even started the podcast. It's it's an incredible book. Um, aside from my normal pale white Irish skin, the reason why I'm so red is anyone watching is I feel god awful. I've had the flu for a couple of days. Um, but to continue the conversation we were just having, um, everything in my life is going absolutely amazing. I'm closer to family. I'm really in the coolest apartment I've ever lived in in my life. I mean, it's just it's just badass. Um, financially, I've never been doing better. The podcast is growing. It grew tenfold last year, which was beyond my wildest expectations. I was hoping to double it. Um, I just saw my thank you. I just saw my family for several days over Christmas. I mean, I'm closer to them. I can go up for every holiday, every weekend now. And despite all of that, there just seems to be a sort of emptiness. And I've been meditating for 15 years before I read your book, but especially after it, I've always felt it in my heart that all is well. But it seems to kind of be fading. And I'm not a stranger to depression, but this doesn't feel like normal. Normally depressions, you can fix it. You're like, well... Maybe I should pay these bills off and stop skipping class. But everything's going great. And I still kind of feel gray. So with that pity party, I just threw for myself. I will now shift the burden onto y'all to cure it in under an hour. So yeah, let's do it. Let's cure you, Tommy. <laughs> okay, well. But I'm hearing you describe. It's so interesting because you're describing things in your outer world, the things that are going on around you, but you still feel this emptiness. So it's really, uh, do you feel that connection to your, you know, you say you're meditating, but maybe have you lost, or maybe you never really had that yet full connection to that essence of who you are, that thing that enlivens you to want to, you know, get up and do your job, this emptiness you're feeling. I feel as though that's a sign that something's about to shift in your life and you may be uh, getting a hint of it. Uh, you're kind of subconscious, maybe like getting ready. Cause I know when I've gone through my own spiritual kind of uh, epiphanies, they usually are uh, preceded by this kind of thing you're describing. And so that's, that's my first thought. Did you have any? Well, I mean, I think line? that's, that's, um, Know, very valid. Uh, and for me, it's, I mean, Tommy, what you're doing is really helping uh, a lot of people out in this world. And the fact that you've grown your podcast tenfold over a year is an incredible testimonial to how effectively you are contributing to the, basically the evolution of consciousness, to the enhancement of people's quality of life, their soul journey, uh, but sometimes, you know, even when you're deep in the midst of that kind of wonderful work for others, 
you can feel this kind of sense of disconnection, a, a sense of angst, a kind of a questioning. I, I think it's natural to kind of question our uh, you know, pathways as we go. Uh, so, you know, to me, I've, uh, you're, you're certainly seeming a little down right now. And, uh, I know I go through phases like that too, where I, I just, you know, things are not necessarily clicking the way I feel like they ought to be. Uh, for me, that's always the opportunity to go within because I find that, uh, you know, it's through meditation and through kind of grounding and centering that I'm able to really, uh, kind of get back on track. But it's a very natural thing for all of us, I believe, to kind of deviate a little bit off the pathway and feel sometimes like, uh, you know, something is not quite right. And that's just a good opportunity to go within uh, and ask the universe to give us, uh, you know, some uh, clues as to what might be uh, uh, kind of missing or uh, a little bit out of focus in the moment. But and you're describing sort of a spiritual vacuum and uh, material things won't fill it. Right. So, you know, the money that you're earning, the growth of your podcast, that's not what's going to feed that sort of hunger in your soul right now. Do you have, what do you think about all this, Tommy? Well, that's dawning on me more and more is like, I, I've almost felt that little thought pop up of like, well, maybe if I just, and almost like seeing a, like a weed growing in a garden, I just stomped on it immediately. And I'm like, no, a bigger apartment's not going to solve anything. My right. my 10 year old Honda Civic is fine. I soon I, I'm just like so many people have gone down that path of you see these rich people. I mean, like billionaires. I think Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, I think his his last words were I wasted it. That guy was worth like one hundred and forty billion dollars. And. I see that little thought popping up. Well, maybe if I, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just smothering it in the cradle. I'm like, that ain't it. That ain't it. And so I've identified that that's not it, but like process of elimination, just because I've removed one of them doesn't mean I've necessarily found the direction I need to go in. And I think I'm, I know I, I, I work harder than anyone I know. So I have no problem with with moving towards something. But I don't even know where it is I'm where it is I'm go if you have a car and a full tank of gas and a GPS, you can drive anywhere. But if you don't know whether you're supposed to go to Atlanta or LA or Toronto, it doesn't really matter. And this that's is where the dark I'm. You are describing a dark night of the soul. Oh, yeah, I know. I've heard that you phrase before. You are in the middle of a dark night of the soul, Tommy. And that's where you feel like there are no answers. There's no, exactly what you described. Uh, I've been there. I know you've been there. I've been there, um, sure. Unfortunately, there's no easy answer. That's, oh, the, that's the unfortunate answer. All right. We would love us, especially us Western medicine kind of people. Oh, just give me that pill or that yeah. one technique and this will get, you know, solve it. It sounds like you have a process, uh, sort of, I would think of it as an invitation to really explore a little more deeply maybe than you have before, trying some new techniques or uh, hypnotherapy or, uh, you know, something different that's out of your normal routine uh, 
usually can help sort of catalyze movement out of that dark night of the soul because you could end up just festering there for weeks and months right uh we've seen that happen right Uh, but also remember that that dark night of the soul that karen's referring to uh in many ways can be a wonderful tool to enhance your soul growth and in fact i would say this is why my response to this kind of angst uh you know is to go within because i know that i have access to you know primordial mind to the wisdom of the universe uh if i can quiet my own mind enough to to listen and and heed the advice Uh, but i think this is kind of a natural part of the process of being a soul you know of you know, seeking a deep sense of purpose and meaning and, you know, what am I here to do and that kind of thing. Uh, So it doesn't really surprise me so much to hear that coming from you, because we know from our many conversations with you, how driven you are, how compassionate you are, how authentic. And I will just tell you that from my experience, this kind of thing that you're going through right now is a very natural kind of stepping stone. It's the way that kind of higher soul energizes uh, the efforts that uh, allow us to grow into new and more expanded versions of self, much more the soul we came here to be. So I would befriend this uh, angst. Uh, I guess the only other question I have um, at this point, uh, do you get uh, much feedback from your audience? I mean, you've grown this wonderful audience, uh, especially over the last year. Do you get much feedback from them? I do through comments, emails, any other I mean, the the overwhelming majority is is great. And it's, I always, although I appreciate it, I always kind of discount family and friend feedback because I know if they had a podcast and I hated it, I would still be like, keep trucking, I love you. So really the only ones I count are like the people I don't know from places I don't know. Right. And it's, it's, it's overwhelmingly, pot. I mean, it's just yet another thing where it's like, that's great. What? Why do I still feel like this? Because yeah. you're missing something inside. Yeah. And you're you're smart enough and experienced enough with your own connections to the spiritual kind of uh, realm that, uh, you know, we've talked about this before too, how you're so young and you've already discovered these truths and yet you still are being put through this challenge. And so you are more equipped than most uh, with those kind of tools and your understanding. But sometimes that logic doesn't get us out of it, right? That rational, like you're saying, nope, no, it's not not a new car, not a bigger apartment. That's not gonna do it. Uh, th- that rational mind doesn't get us there. So I have a feeling um, our next podcast with you will be discussing how you got through this. But now that is here, neither here nor there because you're in the middle of it now. Uh, I'm confident you'll get through it. But uh, exploration deep, deep, deeper than you've ever gone before, I believe is at hand. And uh, the rewards following a dark night of the soul are great and many, but they really don't uh, do much to get you through it. So uh, when you're in the middle of it, it is, it's so much despair. I know that feeling of despair. And so even our words may not be making much sense. Um, no, they, they are. And they I are. would just say also when, when you're in the middle of it, um, uh, sometimes really simple things like getting out in nature, yes. really kind of disconnecting from, you know, the day-to-day grind of anything to get out there and, and kind of appreciate uh, the world out there, the other people out there, animals, uh, plants, uh, 
just our natural world around us, I think can be very uh, uh, grounding and kind of give you the energy of the earth to help you get through this. But uh, uh, that going within is something else that is just such an important step. And I know you're a very active meditator over decades. So obviously you, you know that territory, but uh, you might be in for some new techniques yeah, to yeah. take you to new kind of experiences as well. The, you know, again, I've, I've, I've gone through periods of depression before periods of like, like actual soul crushing depression, like after my brother died, moving home with my parents, being a, a, addicted to benzodiazepines, being wildly overweight, unemployed. I mean, like, real you know you yeah. know there, yeah. like, you know the, the difference with this one too then this one is like in some ways it's it's scary because it's i'm looking around for the the squeaky wheel to grease and whereas in the past everything was squeaking so it was like just start now it's yeah. like everything's sparkling and running fine and and you've so lost meaning to it all and that's the dark night of the soul yeah so, but that's yeah. the gift too, is that is an open invitation to find for you to grow meaning. into a new aspect of self. It's so I would be optimistic about this. I, I, I am. And and for any for anyone listening, this isn't this isn't this isn't some scary, this isn't suicidal, this isn't any of that. It it's it's but nonetheless it is pervasive. But there is I was thinking of it yesterday, just walking into the grocery store, I just kind of had a feeling that was like this sucks. But I also think this is, I feel like I'm on the right path. And as counterintuitive as that is, there was just kind of this overwhelming, and I still do feel it, that it's, this feels awful. But it's like, you're going, this is the way, this is the way. And you know what you're describing there is your inner observer. You're able to kind of have that dissociation from the personality going through this uh, despair and what the whatever words you use, but then you have that witness that can kind of say it's going to be okay. That's the value that you've given to yourself through the previous aspect uh, practice of meditation, because some folks, they get to this point of a dark night of the soul and they don't have a meditative practice. So they haven't developed that witness. Those are the people who flounder and can't seem to climb their way out. But that value of having that witness, any of your listeners, that preparation of meditation gives you that so that when you enter this kind of uh, new phase, you're, you're more equipped. So I'll give you that, that that does give you a leg up on many other people who haven't developed that, right? Yeah. And I, I would also, I mean, this is obviously something that uh, has been very much on your mind, but the notion of gratitude, uh, you're, you're acknowledging these beautiful kind of external things uh, that have gone positively uh, over the last you know, year or month or what have you. Um, but really, uh, you know, there, there's that, uh, that kind of natural step of, of moving to the next level of feeling the satisfaction, the gratitude, the sense of accomplishment and authenticity around all of that. And, and for that, I think that's where taking some time away from your daily routine can be very helpful. Uh, what I often like to do in situations like that is, is find stories, uh, you know, very emotional, beautiful stories of, of people rising above hardship and adversity. And there are a lot of stories like that out there. Uh, but it's what helps me to kind of get back on track to more fully appreciate how 
you know, serving the higher good and being there for others uh, can help you to really harvest that sense of gratitude, uh, not only for the gifts in your life, but for the your ability to bring gifts to their lives. So another thing I would point out, I find it interesting that you're also physically ill during this time, because sometimes it's the, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual aspects that finally uh, get our attention when they turn into physical symptoms. And so I'm just wondering, um, you may not have the answer, but I, it's just curious that you're also physically ill during this challenging time. And it's probably related. Well, there's no question that, you know, physical wellness ultimately, uh, you know, is tied in with emotional and mental wellness. And they're all ultimately based on spiritual wellness, that sense of connection with the all of shared meaning and purpose, uh, you know, and that is something that you you can actively grow through meditation and through the work that you do. It's, I mean, even, yeah, even aside from, you know, having the flu right now, yeah, I've, I've completely over the last four or five months removed alcohol. I've been eating incredibly health, the healthiest I've probably ever eaten in my life. And still going to the, again, even like the depression I know is like, can't get out of bed. Like despite feeling like physical and spiritual junk, I mean my my reflex in the morning, even today, still get up, go to the gym immediately. Okay. Like you just rattled off huge changes you've been going through to change your diet, to lose weight, to all these things you've been talking about, the success. This is completely I would say expected. <laughs> okay. That you're going through this as part of your own kind of path of spiritual growth because there is no way out but through, and it's not an easy path. All of us will experience this angst and this trouble, some kind of, why am I doing this? Whatever the question is we ask ourselves, but you will know, having been through this now, the difference between normal depression and this other kind of more, which we, we might term it spiritual crisis, right? Where you lose that sense of meaning because Evan and I, have come up with this definition of spirituality of having a sense of meaning in your life, having a sense of purpose and feeling a sense of connection. So if you're not feeling either of those three things, uh, you're kind of in a spiritual crisis moment. And I think you're someone who thrives on those things. And so to suddenly kind of not have them there, it would be very disconcerting, but I expect all of this other kind of physical growth that you've been going through is uh taking its toll and uh you're gonna come out on the other side different Stronger. different yeah yeah i i think it was um i remember listening to this years ago ramdas talking about the dark night of the soul and he would always say like you know the phony holy like you know the the false guru he's like but then even worse is the phony unholy. And he goes, and it's when you start to wake up and then try to go back to sleep. And he goes, after you've had the awakening, he's like, you can't get lost in alcohol and sex and sports and sports cars. And he's like, once you start to awaken to the wider world, you can't go back to bowling. It's like, you can try. You can, it's like, no, it's like hitting snooze. That is a beautiful analogy. Well put. But yeah. the alcohol thing, I also went through a period, um, where alcohol never agreed with me, but it never really was like a problem. I sure. would say like too much drinking. You know, I drank 
but it never was uh, good for me. I would almost uh-huh. always end up feeling sick the next day or even that night after drinking. And it was one day during what I called my spiritual boot camp, where I spent several years going to retreats, reading books, doing exercises, learning techniques, and so on. And uh, in the middle of that, I suddenly stopped drinking. I came home from a retreat one day, went out to dinner, and looked at the wine menu. I was going to order some wine, and I thought, oh, I don't really want any wine. And then I went out to dinner the next time. I still don't want any wine. And I was like, I guess I don't drink anymore. And I think that that sort of people talk about that with red meat as well, that suddenly Mm. their body just won't take it in. And it was right in the middle of my growth. And during that time, tons of angst, tons of what do I do with my life? How do I get out of this job, this marriage, this place I live and all of these things. And, and yet, you know, you're in the middle of something, Tommy. I can't wait to see how it turns out. For it's going to turn out well, I suspect. Not that that helps right here and yeah. now. What I'm encouraged by, though, is when you say this sort of thing to, um, especially the classic depression people that you're very familiar with, what their responses are, are more, that's no good. That's not going to work. They just reject everything yeah. that's being said to them. You're not doing that at all. So yeah. I commend you for that as well. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely familiar with with all, and I can, whenever those thoughts creep up, I can start to see them, and That's it, your I'm witness. I'm, I'm yeah. like no 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 like I I did that I, like I it's not from someone telling me you're gonna think this and no 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 I five six seven years I I know that whole path I know where it leads I know like the mirages of that'll make it no and I, I know that's all BS. Um, and I also That's why know, you're going through this because you're going to handle this in a different way. That's why you're going through this. So I, I think there is that like that Western rational mind that's in me. That is, I'm so used to organic chemistry. This is a hard class. What do you do? Memorize it all. Just go to work. Stop complaining that the house is messy. Just start cleaning. There's this, just check and that's i mean that's i guess ingrained into the the mindset of tens of generations of people in this whole you know western philosophy but it's very you know check the boxes move down fill out the things and yeah give me the list how do i find my purpose oh here's your checklist yeah go go through (laughs) take take the inbox and make it the outbox and it's dawning on me more and more that like this is it's outside of that system. Like it doesn't, you can't solve like a problem in a dream. If the problem is outside of the dream, it doesn't matter what you do in the dream. It's you wake up to something outside of that encapsulating sphere. And I feel like I'm in this, you know, three dimensional, four dimensional reality, X, Y, Z, and then time. And I feel like whatever the answer to this is outside of that. And so anything I do within it, it doesn't, if I have a pen and a paper, but the dishes are dirty, nothing I do on the pen and paper is going to clean the dishes. doesn't matter what I, I can create the Mona Lisa that, that is, that is a two dimensional sheet. And this is a task outside of that. And that's kind of how I feel right now. And well, that's why we're not really able to give you a, a list of things to do to fix it. <laughs> Although I, I would I would point out that the interesting, uh, you know, our language can be very uh, uh, confusing sometimes. And and again, this just reminds me of the going within. 
yeah, uh, is actually going out to the universe. And you're talking about a, a situation where you feel like it's kind of like Einstein saying, you know, you cannot solve a problem using the same kind of thinking that got you into the problem. Yes. And in many ways, that's where meditation and going within is actually going out to seek uh, the kind of uh, uh, influence from the universe that I think will benefit you very much in this in this moment, in this so time. Meditation, but if meditation, you can't quite get there. Hypnotherapy can really do wonders to kind of get that rational mind out of the way and go deeper into your own psyche to kind of find whatever answers or find the questions even that you should be asking yourself. So lots of, lots of ways. Uh, EMDR is another technique. Uh, if you're, if you're looking for, I still maintain that kind of getting out of any routine you're currently in with some newer different techniques could do wonders. And so I'm just rattling off some potential techniques. Aren't you in Maryland? Uh, I moved from Maryland to Maine. Oh, you did. Okay. Portland. That's yeah. right. That's right. Could I know you... an excellent uh, hypnotherapist in Easton, Maryland. So. Oh, well, I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone now. It's <laughs> could if Karen, if 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 you would, you don't have to. Could you could you tell me about your your experience, your your dark night of the soul? Uh, sure. If if you would, uh, you don't you don't have to if you don't want to. I'm just well, I'm for my own selfish. One. I'm trying to think of which one. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> been there a few times. Oh God, in my and mind, I'm like, how do I get through it? You're like, well, this yeah, is the first. No, and I know. What? And just when you think you're finished, oh, I'm done. Um, something else will come up. But each time it comes up, it um, it's easier, and the witness is so incredibly important. So I'll I'll give you one of my dark nights of the soul is uh was before I met Evan. And this was, I was, you know, working and living and married, had a child and all of this. And I just wasn't satisfied with any of it. Successful on the outside, but not on the inside. I didn't feel like I was contributing to anything related to my sort of higher ideals. It was always other people's higher ideals. And so I went through that for quite a while. And um, I remember one thing that I was very hung up on was what is my purpose? I thought if I only could really embody my purpose that I would feel much better about everything. And I couldn't find that answer. I was exactly like you described. I wanted it from a Western mindset. I wanted an answer. And so I would go into meditation as Evan suggests. I had learned those techniques by then. And I would ask that question. And I was never given a complete answer. And when I uh, I finally just, and I even went to, I did do some hypnosis. Um, I went to a life between lives hypnosis session where you get regressed back to your previous lifetime and then regressed forward to your time of death in that lifetime. And then you're popped into the time right before you came into this life. And I learned many, many things. And what happened though overall to kind of get me through it is that I gave up. I surrendered. I decided I do not need to know my purpose. I forget about it. Although I used a, a different four letter F word, just forget about it. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I, I literally surrendered. I don't care. I just thought none of this makes it. I'm not going to try anymore. And I learned that if I just would imagine what would it feel like 
if I was living a life of purpose, that's what I decided to do. And I learned this from a, a spiritual teacher and um, to just imagine that feeling and that feeling of living your purpose, probably you feel fulfilled, you feel authentic, you feel, you know, all the things that, you know, feel like who you truly, you're living your life from that authentic space and you're fulfilled. And so I generated this feeling of what would that feel like? And so in my meditative space, I would capture that feeling for small periods and then everything started to change. My life just changed all around me. I've it's not uh, all in this exact order, but I did change my job. I did move to another location. I did leave a bad marriage. And then I met Eben and my whole life then completely changed. And so what I did was I shifted my focus away from that Western mindset into a more feeling kind of mindset, uh, not even a mindset, a heart set, a, a feeling state instead of a mind state. And when I removed my mind and my thought process out of that kind of uh, process I was going through, that's what got me through it. And it's hard to really uh, explain it all linear in linear kind of specific ways because it was just kind of an internal metamorphosis that happened that sort of brought me the confidence to make the changes that, you know, made me, you know, leave a very successful career of 25 years to be a freelancer and not have any more of that sort of safety to mm -hmm. hold me back, uh, you know, hold me together. I was able to do all of that. So that was one example of a dark night of the soul. A more recent one is, again, I thought I was over this. Oh, I'm living the life of my dreams. And not so. I had a person who's close to me in, in life uh, played a role that caused me to be triggered. And when I was triggered, this is when I really hope I reached the final vestiges of this. Eben was a witness wow. to this. This was my body actually got involved and I it would start to tremble when I would feel uh, bad. And when my body trembled, I wanted it to stop. So I would try to get it to stop. When I changed that and said, all right, fine, tremble, tremble all you want. I got this advice from a psychiatrist friend because she said that's somatic body healing. Oh my gosh, that people would kill to have that. And I'm like, okay. So I allowed my body to tremble. And that's when I started um, yelling and crying and Eben was there as my witness. And uh, I remember my witness came in and said, don't worry, Evan. It's almost over. I think I've got through the it middle. It was amazing part. to see. Like you just did with your witness, and the other part of me was ah. And inside my voice, inside my voice was telling me, "You're no good. You can't do anything on your own." And I just, you know, heard it in defiance. And that was the little voice that had been with me since uh, I was a, a child. Mm -hmm and was told, you know, by in many, many ways through the people around me, um, keep your mouth shut. Nobody mm. cares what you think, just sit over there in the corner. Um, it's fine, that's where you belong. And that's what I was fighting was someone who was giving me that reflection. And I, I, my body took care of it all on its own, but I had to allow it to happen. And I held it back for so, so long. And once I allowed it, it was awesome and horrible to go through absolutely would not wish it on anybody the other side is your reward 
both situations were a little bit different. One was more drawn out, uh, one was a little more compressed, but those were two kind of situations that uh, were very despairing. And the two ways I handled it was to, I guess in both situations, I did the opposite of yeah. what I had been trying that got me to that place. One was wanting my purpose in literal terms instead of just a feeling state. And the other was resisting my body's natural way of kind of releasing this energy uh, and al actually allowing it to go through that process. So there's two, two examples. And it was an absolutely uh, amazing process to watch. Uh, you know, as Karen's partner to see her going through this, I knew, uh, you know, initially she acknowledged, you know, this was kind of a, a reworking of her original, what, what we call baby wounds, you know, um, the issues that happened often when we were too young to even have a, a linguistic memory of the events, uh, but often some kind of a childhood encounter that uh, kind of sets a stage for our life uh, in terms of challenges and what we need to do to kind of grow through it. And watching Karen go through this, it was a beautiful example of uh, kind of that ego self that was very fractious and locked in this incredible struggle. But then higher soul, I could see her higher soul actually told me, don't worry, we're close. I'm almost through this. And I knew it wasn't her ego self. I knew that was higher soul coming through. And that, yes, this was a very natural process. It was kind of... Uh, frightening in some ways to watch. I wanted to just hold her and kind of comfort her and all of that. But I knew what she was going through internally was going to have a tremendous amount of real concrete benefit in her soul journey. And that part was obvious to me. And wow, what a great demonstration of how when we can learn to acknowledge kind of that ego aspect of self and realize that's not really who we are that we're a much a kind of higher being with a much a greater uh, kind of responsibility and ability to help this world heal and come into wholeness uh, that goes far beyond the little petty concerns of the ego. And I could witness that kind of thing happening in Karen as she was going through this very intense uh, struggle that was being manifested in her physical body, but in her emotions and her mental state, every bit of it was involved. And to him and any observer, they would think, why is this even a big deal to you? You, Why is this, you know, causing you so much angst? But we can't know that, right? It's, yeah. it's, you just have to allow whatever is inside of you to unfold. And yeah. once I finally did that, it was uh, released. And pretty amazing to watch. But I mean, that whole process uh, took a few days. I mean, it was Weeks, kind of, yeah, time, but there was yeah, but, time, but right? a, a hardcore focus. Yeah. yeah. There was a few days, yeah. uh, and it was pretty intense, but, uh, watching you grow through that. I mean, to me, it was a beautiful example of how higher soul can often kind of give us these gifts, whether it's in meditation or some spontaneous epiphany and some kind of a, a kind of a, a deep, uh, mystical experience, but there are many different ways that the universe rewards us with that kind of knowledge and growth. But it is, as Karen said earlier, there is no way out but through. Mm -hmm. And that's what why so much of this world is in trouble is people and through bounce, is not, through is not always obvious. <laughs> yeah, people bounce off that wall. And they're 
And it, I mean, it's kind of the issue about a baby wound. That's why somebody like me, here I am 68 years old, 69, just had a birthday. Uh, but uh, Happy birthday. still, you know, the baby wound is uh, there. And for me, it was that adoption abandonment wound when my birth mother left behind at age 11 days and yet wasn't willing to sign the papers to let me go. So I was in a baby dorm for four months waiting for the papers to be signed so I could be put up for adoption. So, and that was a tough period uh, that, you know, I don't have uh, verbal memories of, but I've come to realize I have some deep kind of uh, emotional memories of that abandonment wound. And, and I would say, you know, all of us have something like that, that uh, kind of haunts us from an early age. And uh, it's kind of our origin story and kind of the original challenge to our higher soul for the kind of growth that we need to go through. But I think for me, the dark night of the soul is much of that story that I told in Proof of Heaven, especially beginning in the year 2000, when I had a perceived rejection from my birth mother. Uh, and then the eight years from then through my coma, because well, your my, coma, my coma was, was, was my catalyst and was yeah. the beginning of a tremendous resolution and uh, uh, kind of an integration and assimilation of many different uh, aspects of my life that allowed me to grow. Uh, and to finally address that baby wound. Uh, but it's amazing how these things can come up bundled with physical illness like your flu. Uh, and sometimes that's just kind of a, a covering that shows a deeper challenge, but the challenge is always to be befriended because it is a, a gift ultimately that can lead to that soul growth that, uh, that we're seeking in this lifetime. There was um, <clears throat> about surrendering and the only way out of it is to go through it i think of you know probably the single biggest supporter and not probably absolutely is my mom and dad and i remember when i was living at home it's probably like 2017 or 2018 really kind of in like the pit of depression and i remember just having like the worst panic attack i'd had i mean i've had infinite number but i remember my mom was out of town and i was like i kept like texting her and I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. And I remember it just all of a sudden just switched from like, you know, the loving, like babying mom. And she said, then die. And it just completely flipped my mind. And I was like, then die. I was like, if this is it, if this is how I go, 27 at the time and I'm on a couch. I was like, maybe this is just it. This is. And I still had like the physical symptoms of anxiety but like that panicking crescendo disappeared because I was like, well, if this is it, then all right. Okay. Surrender. Yeah. And even just throughout the course of this conversation, it's, it's kind of dawning on me. I'm like, I kind of feel numb and detached and directionless. And it's just like, well then feel numb and detached and direct. Just do that. Then like, go about your day. Still go do the dishes, tie your Resistance shoes. Is futile. It really is. It's just like, it's just yeah it's it's just ride ride the ride it's just all right it's kind of feels sad and pointless all right well i still gotta go but to the grocery least, store later like at least you know the difference though between like hardcore depression and this and so riding this is maybe a little different than yeah. wallowing in depression so yeah wallowing in depression you really feel like there's no way out this feels more like this feels more like um, it's like a rainstorm. Like it's gonna go in depression. You feel I'll like you're in the middle of the while. ocean. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it for a while. This feels yeah. more like a like a crappy song on a playlist. 
I'm like, yeah, it'll end. Don't worry. I know you've heard Freebird a million times. It's going to go away. Don't worry. Well, and it's not just waiting it out. It's paying attention, which I know you do, to What shows up when you really yeah. just allow yourself to feel those feelings? What shows yeah. up? Yeah. Why, why is it don't just, there's like another level. It's not just this is a crappy song on a playlist. It's like, well, why is it on the playlist? What it, <laughs> why is it there at all? Why, there. why do you have to sit? It's not a, it, I look back in life and I mean, nothing ever seems to be an accident. Sometimes it takes years, but you go, oh, that was the puzzle piece. Yep. Yeah, exactly. This, I'm looking back at this moment years from now. We're doing a podcast in 2028. We're talking about this episode. What? Like, what's the spoiler alert? Like, what's the skip to the last page? I don't know, but I do know that this is a puzzle piece. So, I don't know, just pay attention. Like, what is it? And that's... It's not the best answer because again, it doesn't mean it's going away. But it's it's an answer. I I find some uh, solace in observing that when I look back on my life, uh, all of those times when I was in such uh, kind of hardship and uh, despair and kind of frustration, uh, ended up being positive in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tough things, the hurdles, the challenges. Ultimately, I came, I've come to realize in looking back on it all that every bit of it was worthwhile. And that yeah. certainly uh, includes uh, kind of those uh, dark moments and the dark nights of the soul, because they were where I was really able to come into some kind of growth and understanding. And what I view as, uh, you know, an enrichment of self and a, a kind of deeper sense of harmony with the universe in many ways. So it's uh, you know, when you're living it, you know, moving forward, it can be very challenging and difficult. Uh, and that's why I think it's important to gain some trust in this universe. And that was something that I gained tremendously through my near-death experience. But that sense of trust that there is a force of benevolent, loving, uh, compassion, mercy, and kindness at the core of all the universe, it's right there at the heart of our very awareness, uh, is often a very uh, kind of refreshing uh, reminder of, of the nature of reality that I've come to realize. And a lot of that realization came through that catalyst of almost dying, of you know having a severe case of bacterial meningoencephalitis uh, and spending a week in coma. And most people would look back on that and say, wow, that could not have been any fun. But it was the one of the greatest gifts of my entire existence. So I'm, actually, I'm very grateful for I'm it. I'm Tommy, and all of the uh, sort of wonderful things happening in your life. Do you have a love interest? Do you want a love interest? I don't have one. I would very much enjoy one. Um, I wonder if that might be part of what's missing. And even if you're not putting, uh, you know, a name to it or anything, maybe, I don't know, that just keeps coming into my mind. And so I thought I should say it out loud. Well, I, I do appreciate that. That is... That's really the only thing I can think. I mean, again, I'm, I went from being like 14 hours to like one hour from family. I can go see him whenever I want. I mean, really everything is, I mean, I'm 32 and I'm my own boss. I wake up when I want. I get to talk. This is my job. I'm talking to you two today. Something most people would like pay for this therapy. 
this you, is you like this for yourself. Well done. Right. But <laughs> maybe you haven't created everything that's in store for you quite yet. And maybe and that... it may be that your system kind of knows that. Uh and, and it's confusing to you because you don't have the spoiler alert yet. But maybe whatever, and it may not be a love interest, but it's you know, something uh that you kind of know is forthcoming, but you don't know in your Western thinking mind. And quite certainly yet. when you've gone through all the effort of making this move from Maryland up to Maine uh, and being closer to family, in my view, I think what Karen's saying makes a lot of sense and could be basically the universe is just setting up a better situation for you uh, to come into more complete wholeness through someone you will meet, uh, you know, because of this move and this mm. proximity to family. So, yes. I mean, for me, it's, uh, you know, obviously uh, this, it, all the life that I have now, uh, and that includes all this kind of uh, trying to help the world with this uh, knowledge about uh, love and kindness and the nature of consciousness and of, of existence has been tremendously enabled and enriched because of Karen, you know, so having uh Having a partner in this kind of work is is truly a real nice. gift. It's a really beautiful gift. And, and I suspect that maybe the universe is setting you up to get exactly that kind of uh, not booster. Not you should start having all these expectations or anything, but, but I just, I don't know. It just keep, kept coming to my mind. If if you don't mind me asking in the, the last 10 minutes we have is, how, how did you two meet? Because I know that you were both, Karen, you said, I didn't know that you were in a marriage, but you, you had, but now I do. And I know I was in, out in, of my marriage well, by the time I met Evan. Well, I mean, yeah. prior to Evan, and I know through, yeah. I know through your book, Evan, I know that you were married before. How, if you don't mind me asking, how did the, the gears of the universe just kind of tick together? And Okay. Well, uh, we're happy to tell, should I, I yeah. usually do better yeah. starting this story. So um, we were both attending the uh, a workshop at the Monroe Institute. And I had been going there for uh, many years. Evan had been going there just a little bit a less year. time. Um, and we both ended up at this facilitator training class where you learn how to teach others how to use the audio recordings. So at this, at this event, um, Evan and I met, I could tell he was kind of looking at me funny, but I was um, not interested. <laughs> I had really vowed myself off relationships at that point. And, um, I thought I don't need them. If they, if it happens, it happens. So I wasn't looking. And, uh, what happened was we, we ended up. Okay. So on the first day we're learning how to teach this class to others. So we're doing the actual class. And so we're standing in a circle and we're holding hands. So Evan is standing next to me. So there's about 20 people in a circle and we're supposed to feel the energy move through our hands around the circle, first to the left, then to the right. So we're doing this, imagining the energy moving. And then, then the instructor says, split into pairs. And what you're gonna do is one person will stand still while the other person walks into the other person's energy field. And the task there was to sort of feel when that you, sense the energy of that person as you're walking towards them. And so we're doing this, walking in and out of each other's energy fields. We're supposed to tell each other what we're feeling. And I started feeling something kind of that I wasn't expecting. And so I didn't want to share it with Evan. I was nervous. And so I, I said, well, you tell me, what are you feeling? And he says, 
I feel like the yin and the yang of our hearts are joining as one. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I'm feeling. And so that was really interesting. We felt this kind of energetic connection. At the same time, my mind was resisting. My heart was very busy connecting with Eben, that kind of unseen energy. But when we started having conversation, um, I, I knew he had had a near-death experience, but his book wasn't out yet. And so I didn't know the story and I knew others who had had near-death experiences. And in my knowledge, they always have some very strong, profound personal lesson that they learn. And so I went right to that and I said, so what was it? What was that lesson that you learned? And he goes, the brain doesn't create consciousness. And I was very confused. And I said, well, why would anyone think that it does? <laughs> and because I didn't know, I did not know that that was sort of the fulcrum of materialist scientific thought. I had always known that I have a soul. And yeah. so I, I didn't buy into that theory, and, and but he did. And so he was a recovering materialist, I would say. Mm -hmm. But that kind of showed the opposite. I think that intrigued Eben the... The fact that I was like, why would anyone think that? Of course, everything is, you know, controlled by the mind and the heart. And uh, we also had that heart connection. So did you want to? Yeah, I would just say, uh, I mean, normally uh, looking back on our, uh, you know, 11 years plus that we've known each other, I would tell you that Karen has great intuition compared to me. But I will also kind of confess that early, early on at this time she's talking about when we first met, I recognized this deep sense of a soul connection that we were going to change the world. He said to me, we're gonna, this is, I'd known him for days. And he said, and his book wasn't out. He wasn't a famous, you know, New York Times bestselling author. Um, he says, we're gonna travel the world together and you're gonna be up on stage and everyone's gonna learn this. And I said, no. No, we're not. <laughs> I said, no. I can travel the world. But I will not be on a stage. I will not be speaking to anyone. I very much resisted all of this. But yeah, Evan knew better. He was right. <laughs> uh, but really, honestly, resistance was futile in this relationship because I am a resistor. I am a runawayer. And I couldn't. I could not do that with this man. So well, I, I'm, I mean, my, my near-death experience, my week in coma, uh, and that whole story was the catalyst of kind of a, tr a fundamental kind of upshift in my life, uh, much more onto a, uh, a definable soul journey. And I recognized at that time that Karen was an essential part of that. So this was this was far beyond some you know sense of heart resonance and uh, any kind of personal attraction like that. It was much more of a love for the world at large and an acknowledgement that to best accomplish that mission, it was something I was going to do with Karen. And That's I was quite so sure of that the first time I met her. But what's so. even now, when Eben goes into his, we're saving the world, and it's this very grandiose kind of thing, I'm like, no, no, you go save the world. I'm just this girl, you know, trying to set up a website. So at any rate uh well, she's a lot more than it's, that it's funny that's how our relationship he's the real driver of the uh get it out to the world but but when we do get out there i, I think you've learned tommy i have plenty to say so yeah, karen karen <laughs> keeps it very real and that's why i love working with karen she's brutally honest i've often accused her of that uh and i find those to be excellent attributes if you're trying to be 
authentic and live from the heart. The thing about it, since you asked about our personal connection, is we seem to have gone through very similar life paths on a personal level, but from the opposite perspective. Right. So for ex any, I won't give any examples, but we, we've lived each other's life lessons before we met. Right. We have no baggage between us. Hmm. Um, I can't get, we can't get mad at each other. It's really strange. We can get angry and express our sure. anger. We're not mad at each other. It's very interesting. I'm not sure how possible that is for someone in their thirties. There <laughs> may still be life lessons to learn. I'm sure we have them too, but we're not learning those, uh, typical couple lessons. I feel like we've already learned them. Uh, well, I'll, I'll so, give one great example of, of what Karen is talking about, because we really were going through incredible shifts in our lives before we met each other that seemed to be setting up, setting the stage for the most optimal kind of joining. And one very specific example, Karen already mentioned it, how uh, I guess it was a year or so. Alcohol. Before, yeah, the alcohol. Yeah. And that was what, a year before you met me? Or? 19, no, so two years. Two years before. No, it was the year you had your coma. Okay, so yeah, 2008, the year my coma, yeah. which is very interesting in its own right. Uh, but the reason I mention it is because of, of I came to recognize back in 1991, of you know, very early on in my uh, neurosurgical training and career, uh, that I, you know, alcohol on my nights off, um, I was just too too dependent on it, hmm. and uh, it was never a problem at work. But uh, with my family's help in 1991, I just stopped drinking alcohol. Uh, and never looked back. But... In 1991, I left my first husband, who was an alcoholic, the father right. of mm. my child. Same exact time period. So he was an alcoholic. I was married to an alcoholic. Right. So, so we have that kind of mirror reflection of multiple different kind of many, aspects many of personality things. going through the years, often lining up in the same year, as Kenny yeah, just pointed out. Uh, but all of it led to the fact that when we did meet up, the stage was set for us to really work together on, on, you know, this, uh, this, this work of understanding consciousness, the nature of reality, the brain mind connection, love. spiritual, yeah. Love, spirituality, every bit of it, a uh, beautiful journey, 14 years since my coma. And I uh, have, I'm very grateful for every bit of it, but Karen has been a, just an absolutely tremendous part of it. And I sense that, uh, within the first, uh, you know, hours and day or two of our uh, knowing each other, but it took her a while longer to uh, realize of, it was true. Part of my own sort of part of my own baby wound was at age seven when my parents were getting divorced. I rejected my father. I didn't see him for many years for various reasons, but mostly because he would, had been in Vietnam and I just didn't know him. Uh, mm. There was no personal personality. Sure. Uh, I decided I didn't need a man. And so throughout my life, I had a very easy time uh, deciding things were over. <laughs> sure. That was easy for me to do. Not easy with Evan. And we did go through some challenges where in other situations, I would have just walked away and uh, could not do it. Uh, couldn't do it. So different, a lot of different things happened with this guy and i think for you too things, absolutely he was different than the typical oh, yeah, totally. thing you might be interested in tommy when i was a child from a very young age i had a vision of my perfect man he was six feet tall he had dark hair he had dark eyes he wore glasses he did not have facial hair <laughs> um he, <laughs> he wait there you go <laughs> he was slim 
exactly six feet tall. He was slim, but he had a very broad chest without uh, being someone who worked out a lot. He had this broad chest and he had a hairy chest. This was the man that was in my mind my whole entire life. Not one man I ever dated even met every single criteria or married except for Evan. He meets every single criteria. Evan, so. you stud. It's... I know, right? <laughs> It's part of finding your soulmate. I mean, it's it's a blessing. Somehow, I think I wish it for everyone. Somehow, that's why I think some some part of us knows Tommy. So I think some part of you knows something is going to shift up here yeah. to make your life more meaningful shift. than it's ever been, and you're missing it in advance. Right, <laughs> and right. I feeling think, that yeah, in advance turns uh, on to something. I used to tell myself I had created a fantasy image, and then, and then he fits find- every single criteria. So who knew? You know, I definitely, you know, I, I'm, I'm like a microcosm. I can, I can understand this because <clears throat> I have, you know, I've done, this is episode 1040. I've probably canceled on more episodes than I've done. And I have no problem doing it because I'm just, if it's not feeling it, then I'm not. I woke up this morning. I mean, truly, like, I felt like a magnet in my bed. I have never like desi- I normally pop out of the pop out of the bed and go to the I felt like I was magnetized to my bed. But and coughing and hacking normally without missing a beat I would like pick up my phone and just hey we got to reschedule. But some part of me was like I have to talk to Evan and Karen today and I got up and I was like all right I'll do that but I'm not going to the gym. And then I was like just go to the gym. And I did that and I was like <laughs> I was like I'll do that but I'm not making my bed. And I was like, go make your bed. And then I was like, I really need to meditate. And I was like, okay, I'll compromise. You you can push the episode back 30 minutes. But I was like, you're not, I mean, I have a, I have a blanket. I have water bottles, Tylenol. And I was like. And for your listeners, we even offered to reschedule. You did. You did. No, graciously. Feeling well. Graciously. And I mean, I can feel it in my sinuses and I can see, well, even on the camera, I can see the redness in my face. But there was just some like, almost like a little pitchfork against my butt. It was like, you're talking to them today. I don't care if you die afterwards. You're talking to them today. And I can feel now this episode had to happen. And I I seriously appreciate it. I'm, this is, I was not wrong. I needed to talk to you guys. And y'all are, I mean, from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I, I love you guys. I genuinely love you too. It, I say that to everyone because I do mean it. I, I do love everyone I meet, but I really, I really do love you guys. You guys feel like family and without, you know, there's zero hesitation. There's zero like butterflies of, should I say this to them? I just sit down with y'all. Like I've had this conversation before. I'm like, I mean, before we even start recording, I just sat down. I was like, yeah, so I'm depressed. And I kind of feel like shit, <laughs> you know, without missing a beat. You guys were like, good, good. And so I don't really know where I'm going with this, but thank you so much. It had to happen. It yeah. had to happen. Resistance is futile. Well, and I even said, look, he's not feeling well. We're running. He's running late. Look, we can just cancel. We'll do it when he's feeling better. But now I'm so happy we did yeah. it. Yeah, we, oh. we decided to get on just in case you were there. And uh, wow, I'm glad we did. And- I would much prefer the sort of deeper, authentic, real conversation than just talking about stuff. Yeah. So this is awesome. Yeah, and that's, this, could, this could help someone who's facing a similar uh, kind of sense of angst or uh, 
kind of misconnection with the universe or yeah yeah yeah, it's all about soul growth and opening up to authenticity and i think you're a beautiful example of that so you're gifting that to the world and now you can go take a nap yeah and now i can go take a nap you have permission to sleep and i i do i feel like i can now it's like after you get a good grade on the test now you're now you're like now i can go party there's this feeling of like you did it now i can go collapse now you can (laughs) go heal i think that's what i will do but i do feel all right all right i'm whoops i can do this looking better already thank you i i think you're being nice i don't think i look better but i'll take it you sound better dr alexander miss karen newell thank you so much and like a broken record i love you guys thank you so much we love Love you too tommy thank you always great talking with you yes sir you're in our prayers for uh health and comfort thank you resistance is futile yes (laughs) i'm taking that i will send you this i will send you uh, this episode to you guys when it's up uh if i survive this flu and we will absolutely as always do another one i'll put all of your your websites social media links to the books all that good stuff in the description Thank you so much, Karen Newman. All right. Thank Dr. You, Abbott, Bobby. Take care, buddy. Bye. Thank you so much. Talk God soon. bless.